Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. Welcome to another episode as we are continuing a little mini-series on how to keep growing your faith, and specifically, especially when things don't go the way that you would love them to go. See, when problems happen, that's when we pause, but we need to be able to develop a nice rhythm, all right, when things are good, so that when things are not good, we can keep going, and that's going to be the focus of today. Just looking at the previously what we talked about last week and we looked at how we can uh, grow and mature. What does it look like to mature in our faith? And we were looking at all the amazing things that God was doing in that city called Antioch, right? And it was a huge thing, very historical. But then today we're going to look at what was happening at the same time in Jerusalem. So everything was popping over in Antioch, but in Jerusalem, things weren't going the way that they would have liked, all right? And that's what we're going to look at today and look at our response. Because when we look at that, as the church in Jerusalem responded to the difficulties rather than react, and that's a lesson that we're all going to learn today. Because I'm sure, guys, uh, we all understand the difference between responding and reacting. Yes or no? Right? Some of us, uh, some maybe your mom talked to you a kind of way, and you reacted and then got in trouble. Versus responding with... uh, little bit more courteous, right, kind of a situation, right? We, we know what that's like when we have a customer or somebody that we're working with, or they react to us, and then those of us in customer service, can we just pray for people like that? Man, y'all need some patience. I know I've been there, right? And so react and responding are two very different things, right? Because responding is rational, right? Responding is rational, but reacting is emotional. Now, can I ask you guys, how, how, uh, how good are you at reacting emotionally in healthy ways, yes or no? You know, when was the last time you made a great decision and you were emotional the entire time, right? And so maybe, depends. Usually when we get emotional, that's when we say things that we wish we could have had back, done things that we wish we could have undone, but now the toothpaste is out of the tube and you can't bring it back in, right? That's kind of what it is. But today, let's look at how the church responded. Now, the thing about responding and reacting, it all comes with discipline, guys. It all comes with discipline. And we're going to talk today on how to develop a kind of spiritual muscle memory so that when something happens, we're especially the unexpected, we're able to respond rather than react. Are you guys familiar with muscle memory, yes or no? You guys know what that is, right? You do something enough that you've done it a million times that it's like you're on autopilot right? Me and my wife, we have a different kind of muscle memory when it comes to dancing. She's, uh, she has so many hours and reps put in when it comes to dancing. She loves to dance salsa and all that other stuff. She's really good. And she can dance in a way that she's not even thinking. I mean, it just flows and it's just effortless. Me, not so much. Okay. Not so much. Uh, she grew up in a family that loved to dance. Not mine, okay? That was a little different. Uh, and so it was a little different. So I don't have the muscle memory that, that she does. So when we go and we dance, you know, and she looks so good when we're dancing and I'm trying to dance and I'm, she's just flowing and I'm like, okay, one, two, three, 
four, one, two. Oh, wait, I got to turn on the four. You know, I was like, oh, I missed it. Oh, no. And then I'm, you know, breaking her arm. I'm stepping on her toes. I'm like, I am an embarrassment to you. I am sorry. You know, it's just one of those. And uh, I hate it because I don't have the muscle memory. Y'all feeling me? That she does because she's done it so much. And so do you guys know that we can develop spiritual muscle memory at the same time? And then if we develop the right kind of spiritual muscle memory, when certain moments pop up, it's something's able to flow and react because we've prepared ourselves versus, well, responding versus reacting. So let's look at what happened to the church here and let's see what, how they responded so we can learn to do the same. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 12. So if you're, uh, this is your first time with us, guys, we are reading throughout the whole book of Acts. And we're going to read right now, starting in Acts chapter 12, we're going to read one through, uh, all the way through 19. Now, as we read, I'm going to do a little commentary reading because there's going to be one focus that we're going to have today. But there's a few things along the way that I'm just kind of mentioned. And so these are going to be things that I just want to encourage you with. Write them down and you can ask me questions later on it. Or this is just going to be good in and of, in and of itself for you guys to do a further deep dive. But let's read the whole thing and I'll show you the focus. So let's read chapter 12. About this time, right? So we see here, chapter 1, uh, chapter 12, sorry, about this time. What's the about this time? What we just read. Antioch, revival is happening in Antioch. Amazing things are happening in Antioch. And at the same time that Antioch is seeing revival, Jerusalem is being persecuted. That's what we're seeing. So let's look. King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church. He executed James. This James, guys, is the Apostle James. All right, so he says he executed James. Uh, with the sword, John's brother. This is the Apostle John. So uh, John, the, uh, this is the guy, not John the Baptist, there's a lot of Johns I know, but this is the guy who wrote John 3.16. So uh, Jesus had these two brothers. He had two pairs of two brothers. One of them was James and John. James is the first apostle to be martyred, first one to be killed. And interesting enough, the last one to be killed is his brother, John. They were the first and the last of the apostles to die. But here we see James was murdered. And then look, uh, it says here, when he, being King Herod, he saw that it pleased the Jews. He proceeded to arrest Peter during the festival of unleavened bread. So King Herod is doing a political play here. All right, I think we've all, we've all seen that, right? When somebody says something and then they go, they get a lot of attention. And, Ooh, you like that? Oh, I'm going to do that again. All right, politicians love that. And so King Herod say, oh, wow, they really liked it when I killed James. They're going to love it when I kill Peter because Peter is the guy, right? So, oof, I, and he's all playing politics with people's lives. That's not the kind of people we want to vote for, yes or no? And so let's not do that. So let's look at this. So here he's playing politics with people's lives. He's arrested Peter. And uh, verse four, after the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter is in maximum security prison. All right. When the Romans did that, they had four guards, four groups, because they were going to rotate every four hours. And so he was under maximum security. So Peter, here's the key verse that we're going to come back to later. Look at verse five. So Peter was kept where? In prison, but the church was doing what? Praying. Peter's in prison and the church is what? Praying fervently is the key word we're going to look at later. Fervently to God for him. All right, let's keep on going. When, look at this story. Look at it all unfolded. When Herod was about to bring him out to trial, that very night, Peter 
bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers. By the way, you were attached to the soldiers. Again, that's, you know, that's what the chains were for. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, get up quick. Oh, so it's quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. First off, what, this is an interesting thing here. The light shows up, but Peter is still roncando, just, you know, just gone. The lights, the whole room is lit up and Peter's, I mean, literally the angel, when it says he struck him, literally you can imagine the angels all there full of light and Peter, 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 like literally it's what he did. He kicked him in the side. The angel kicked Peter in the side. What, what, you know, mom and dad, how many of y'all, y'all know that, right? We do that room, right? We go into the room, kids rooms. What do we do? Turn on the lights. Anybody had a parent that did that for you? They turn on the lights. And if you don't respond to that. Right? And now it's some kind of a rustling, right? And like, we're going. And so literally, I think that's funny. That's Peter. Peter, the light shone on. Peter's still sleeping. And then here the angel has to kick him in the side and say, quick, you're going to miss the bus. Right? Quick, get up. And check this out. The second he got up, what happened to the chains that were on him attached to those other guys? Fell off. Let's keep going. They fell off. Uh, verse, I lost it. Verse eight, get dressed. Now, he, now he's, I mean, he sounds like a mom. Like, right? Get up, get quick, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did wrap your cloak around you. He told him and follow me. So he went out and followed. And Peter did not know what the angel, um, that the angel, what he had done was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Peter's still half asleep. We've all done that too, right? I've poured a bowl of cereal half asleep and I'm eating it. I'm like, this doesn't taste right. This doesn't taste right. I, uh, and then the whole, here's the, 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 the crazy part. I'm still eating it, okay? It's not tasting right, and I'm still eating it. And I'm like, something's, what is going on? Maybe 10 bites in, I finally turn on the light. I poured orange juice into my cereal instead of the milk because I was half asleep doing it. Anybody ever done one of those things? Put on you know, two different color shoes and stuff like that, half asleep, kind of whatever. And so that's what happened to me. I'm like, no wonder. And so he's half asleep. He thinks this isn't real. It's not happening. It's a vision, something like that. So moving on. After they passed the first and second guards, which apparently they're not seeing this. They're not seeing what's happening. They passed the guards. They came to an iron gate that leads into the city, which opened by itself. And the Greek word by itself is automatic. It's automatically just right in front of them. They stepped outside and passed one street and suddenly phew, the angel left him. That's when Peter came to himself. He realized, wait a minute, okay? He came to himself and said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jews, Jewish people expected. This just, now, you know, the light bulb went on. This is real. This is really happening. And by the way, what were the Jewish people expecting? I think that'd be an interesting one. Do you know what they were expecting? His death. Remember? They loved it when James died. Yeah, get him. And then they heard Peter was arrested. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a party tomorrow. Let's go. They were expecting that Peter was going to die that next day. And so did Peter, by the way. Peter went to sleep that night peacefully. He went to sleep that night peacefully knowing, God, you're in control. I, I put my trust in you. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you're going to have that kind of a peace despite the problems that's in your life? You see that? Guys, I'm here to tell you that peace is possible for you. That peace is possible. Despite the problems, you can sleep well knowing that the God of all gods, the king of this world, he's in control. He's in charge. You can trust him. You can trust him. And so I love that. And so here we see when Peter, he came to a sense that he realized this. The second he did this, 
as soon as he, uh, as soon as he realized this, verse 12, sorry, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. I know, that's another one. Listen, I'm, I'm Hispanic. We got like every other woman in our family is a Mary or a Maria. You know, I literally, both my mom, my mother-in-law, both Marias, come on. And so that's crazy. I don't know how many of y'all got Marias in your, in your life. And if you, read the Old Te- if you read the New Testament, there's tons of Marias. So let me give you specifically, this, Mar- this Mary this Mary is the mother of John Mark. Guys, I just want you to, I'm going to put a little right there in you. John Mark is introduced. Luke likes to introduce a figure and then later on develop that person in his story. And so we've seen it with Paul. We've seen it with Barnabas. Now here's John Mark. Introducing John Mark. John Mark's story is an amazing roller coaster. And I can't wait to be able to tell you a little bit. But we, right now we see Peter goes to his mama's house. All right. That's who he's going to and what's happening over there when he goes there many of the assembly many had assembled and what were they doing again what was the church doing while peter was in prison the church was doing what praying guys isn't it nice isn't it nice to know isn't it nice to have people in your life that when you're in trouble they're not talking about you but that they're praying for you you want that right you need that right here's peter's in trouble and what is his friends doing praying for him not talking about him so let's look and pray for those kind of people and uh have you ever, somebody else is in trouble, have you prayed for them or talked about them? I can end the sermon right there. Okay, altar call, let's go, start repenting everybody. That's it, service is over right there. I can stop preaching just on that alone, right? How many people have gotten in trouble and instead of you praying for them, you talked about them? All right, let's fix that. All right, let's be better. Anyways, so here, what do we see? They're praying. He shows up. He knocks on the door of the outer gate and a servant named Rhoda came to answer she recognized peter's voice and because of her joy she didn't open the gate but ran in to announce that peter was standing at the outer gate so that was very customary for the servant to do that you didn't ask for permission you found out who was at the door you ran in hey can i open the door cool so that's what she's doing just before we judge her and saying yo she just left peter sitting out there you know what's going on she she was doing what she's supposed to do so there she's telling everybody guys peter's outside peter's outside and look at verse uh 15 Rhoda, you're out of your mind. You're nuts. You're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept on insisting that it was true. And they said, it's just his angel. Rhoda, come on, chill. It's just his angel. Peter, however, what did he keep on on doing? He kept knocking. He kept knocking. She's insisting. The people are praying. She's insisting. He's knocking. Everybody's just, you know, no one's stopping. And then here is when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. They weren't expecting. The last person for them to expect at the door was who? Peter. And motioning them with his hand to be silent. I love that. And so that's Peter trying to get everybody to chill, 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 chill. Motioning them to keep silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And then he says, tell these things to James and the brothers. And he said, and he left and went to another place. Here's another one. I'm helping y'all. Who's James? Not the James who died. Peter's aware that James died. But there is another James. This James is Jesus's half-brother. See, at this point in the church, Jesus's half-brother is now the key leader of the Jerusalem church. Peter knows James died. That's why when he was arrested, he was like, this is it for me. James, the apostle James is dead. Here I am. And so he's telling the leader of the Jerusalem church, tell him what God has done. And do you notice how Luke says he just went off to another place? You see that very vaguely? The reason why Luke just mentions Peter vaguely going to another place is because starting here, 
Peter has com almost completely faded out. And now the focus is going to be on what God is going to do through the life of Paul. So that's kind of where we see that. And then final last two verse at daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. Amazing. No one realized. I mean, I don't know what invisibility cloak that they did. And uh, here they are walking by through everyone and no one noticed Peter was gone. And so they're all freaking out. What happened after King Herod searched? He did an investigation and did not find him. He interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and he stayed there. And that's going to be it to be continued because what happened to Caesar, Herod, I'm sorry, what happened to Herod in Caesarea is going to be our focus for next week, which is an interesting little story there. So, all right, there's a lot there. But the one thing that we're going to focus on, all right, is again, how did the church react to the unexpected? How did the church react to the unexpected? That's what we're going to look at. What was the reaction? James is murdered, right? Literally, James is impaled with a sword. Peter's about to do the same. And what is the church doing? What is the church doing? Praying. What was their response to the unexpected? Praying. And here's the thing, though, guys. I need you to understand that the church was stretched. The church was being stretched. All right. Meaning they were struggling. Again, you got two key leaders off. One, two. Here's Peter. He's, he's about to be next. And if they're going after them, it's about, you know, it's just a matter of time until they start coming after them. And so what is their response? They didn't react in panic. They didn't react, start freaking out. They responded in prayer. And that word, did you see it when we read that they prayed fervently? Y'all caught that word? Yeah. That's the word I want y'all to zoom in on with me today. They prayed fervently. That word fervently means earnestly. It means deep. This isn't a, like a, dear Jesus. We pray for you today. We thank you, Lord, mighty God. You know, this wasn't something like that. I mean, this was coming from the pit of their stomach. All right. This is where that word is coming from. And it actually means without ceasing, meaning this was continual. This was a continual thing that they were doing. And guys, what they are doing, here's the thing. What, what they're doing is they are just doing what they've always been doing. For those of us that, that have been around, we've been reading the book of Acts so far Every time we look at the church, what is the church doing? Did you not see how many times we were talking about how, and I'll, if not, I'll help you. Every time we look at the church in the book of Acts, they, they're praying. They're committed to prayer. They're committed to fellowship. They're committed to the growing in, in the word of God. They're committed to these things. This isn't something that they do randomly. This is what they do. This is their lifestyle, right? They're, the thing is that those of us, we're tempted to get serious when things get serious, right? I'm gonna get my life serious with God because, uh-oh, I, I just got that report. I, you know, I just got fired. Oh, now I need to go after God. I just got that negative medical report. I gotta go, my, my situation, you know, I got, a, I got a crisis with my kids. I got a crisis with my marriage. Now when things are serious, that's when I get serious, right? We've all been there. I've been, I've done that too, right? That's the temptation. And then what happens when God answers and what happens when it's not as serious anymore? What do we do? We slack off. Right. When it's not as serious, we slack. And when it's serious, yo, we go ham. Right. That's that's uh, the big temptation that we do. But what we see, this is not what they've been doing. In fact, a couple of I think it was a month or so ago, we we were looking at how the church was being persecuted. But then there was a time of peace. There was a time of peace. The church in Jerusalem wasn't being persecuted. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't stop. 
They literally, instead of pumping the brakes with there was a time of peace, no, they put the pe- you know they put the gas pedal all the way down. And that's what they did. They didn't stop. They didn't let their external circumstances determine how they were going to follow Christ. Guys, can't, that is a good focus that we need to have today. We shouldn't let our faith be determined by what's happening on the outside. No, we are so consistent that our faith walk is what literally impacts that. All right? That's, we don't want it to be the reverse. We don't want to be influenced that way. We want to be in this way. And see, that's why. How do we know the church was so bold in their prayer? Because that's what they always did. That was the muscle memory that they had. It didn't matter good times or bad times. We're going to pray and we're going to praise. And so when something happened, they knew what to do. Let's pray to God. That's kind of muscle memory. Athletes are huge on this, right? You know, think of your favorite athlete. I don't know. uh, You can online type your favorite sport you like to watch. Anybody shout it out. What's your favorite sport you like to watch? Hockey, hey, yo, the Lightning just won game seven, right? That's awesome, right? What else? So we got hockey, baseball, right? There's a lot of things. And what do athletes do? Athletes need muscle memory. Same thing like musicians. Musicians need muscle memory. They train, they do the simple things over and over and over and over and over again. So that way when they're playing, it's effortless, right? Especially athletes. Athletes, they practice scenarios over and over and over and over again. So when the scenario happens, they're not having to think like me dancing. One, two, three, turn. No, man. You know, they're not thinking, they're responding. And when the opponent is reacting and you're responding, that's how you win, right? You win the play. You win and you score. That's um, one of my, my favorite thing to watch is football. And one of my uh, coolest moments I saw, I didn't see it live, live. I saw it live on TV, was a game in 1993 with the Miami Dolphins against the New England Patriots. And I, yes, I'm a Dolphins fan, so you're going to hear a story. All right. My favorite story, my favorite moment was Dan Marino. He was my favorite guy, favorite quarterback. And he gets hurt. His Achilles, uh, tears his Achilles first game back a year later. And here he's playing on uh, that bum leg, fresh in the mud, in that Miami mud that they had. And they're playing against Drew Bledsoe. And Drew Bledsoe was one of the greatest quarterbacks then during that time in the mid-90s. And so that game became, they were airing it out. Both quarterbacks combined for 1,000 yards passing. I mean, it was insane. An insane game, and I got to see that. And so what the, they were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Fourth quarter... All right, the Patriots are up. Miami is down in the 35-ish yard line, which is not super far, but uh, they need more than a field goal, which a field goal is three points. They need more than that. They need a touchdown. And it's fourth and five. So if they don't get five yards, the game is over. And so what does Marino do? He lines up. He lines up. He notices and he's able to read the coverage. And before anything else, he looks to Irvin Fryer, his receiver on his right, gives him a little flick in motion changes the play tells him I want you to run this now run a deep one and so Marino hikes it two seconds later rips one beautiful arc over the DB's head and Urban Fryer catches it in stride Miami wins on that touchdown on a fourth and five all right beautiful all right see he passes a Dolphins fan I know my stuff and so listen so and then they talked about that later it's like well how did you know to do that because if they fail, that's it, game's over. The thing is that Marino's done, he did so much you know, film study and so you know, studying the opponent that he knew, oh, this is what they're doing. So I know what they're doing. And Irving Fryer knows Marino so well that he did a little thing no one noticed, but Irving did. And he know, oh, you're changing the play? You want me to run that? Cool, got it. And so, and literally that throw, he had made that throw a million times in practice. And so it was just effortless. See, that happened because he responded, he didn't react. 
You see what I'm saying? Guys, that's what we do too. When we are in God's word, meeting with God's people, praying, encouraging, growing in God's word, we're developing that kind of muscle memory. So when the unexpected happens, when a moment pops up in front of us, the Holy Spirit is able to encourage us to respond, to be able to speak to that one person in that moment, to give that word of encouragement, to do whatever it is when the enemy comes and tempts us, we're able to respond and not react to temptation because we've develop the spiritual muscle memory to respond. Y'all following me? And, and here's the thing about muscle memory. It takes time, repetition, practice. You can't develop muscle memory, you know, for a couple of times and you move on. It takes intentional repetition. This is why, guys, churches meet on a Sunday on a weekly. This is part of that muscle memory, right? And it's super important. So we see the churches being stretched. And what is their response? They stretch out to God. That's what they do. In fact, that word fervently also, you know what that word fervently also describes? It literally, it's a word that means when a muscle is stretched beyond capacity. So these guys aren't just praying. All right, guys, come on, let's get together. Peter's in trouble. Come on. So, all right, dear, dear Lord, we thank you for, no, their prayers were them spiritually like extending as far as they could, just reaching out as much as they could to God. That was their prayer. That's how they've always prayed. That's how they've always prayed is just reaching out to God with everything that they had, knowing and believing and trusting that God, you're there. You're there. Like we were singing earlier today that you are here in this place. They believed it. They knew that. And so when they prayed, they weren't just hoping God hears. No, they knew. And they trusted in him. And so they would reach and reach and reach all the way fervently like that. I, I Imagine that image, right, of you seeing the church praying in this way. And then think of the verse that I mentioned to some of you guys last week, where Barnabas encouraged the church to say, stay true to God in your, with devoted hearts. Remain with devoted hearts. That's, he was telling the church to do the same thing. That's what these guys were doing over in Jerusalem, is remaining, being consistent, despite what was happening. This, what, what, this is their response. And I love, again, when we see Peter's in trouble, and what was the church doing? Their first response was to do what? Pray. Again, Peter's in trouble. The church is in trouble. Their first response was to do what? Pray. It wasn't the last thing that they did. And guys, that's a big one. I've heard preachers, I've heard this a lot. So I can't quote anybody because they've said it all way too much. But have you ever heard someone say that prayer should be our first response, not our act of last resort? Anybody heard that one before? I've heard it a thousand times. That prayer should be our act of first response not of last resort. Now, why do you think we always leave it sometimes for an act of last resort? You, can I just give you my assumption, the one I've struggled with? Because it seems too easy. Y'all feel me on that? Like praying seems too easy. Like I can do something, right? Do you see the temptation there? Why pray if there's something that I can do? And so that's the temptation. I'm not saying that you can't do anything, but what are we talking about doing first? What are we talking about prioritizing? Prayer. Because what is prayer? When you pray, it's what you're doing is you are inviting God into the moment. Before you get into the doing, you're inviting him in. That's the importance of praying. Praying is recognizing, God, I don't got the solutions and I'm not enough. I need you. That's what prayer is. It is bringing him in. It is including him. It is surrendering yourself to him. It should be our first response, not an act of last resort. Guys, let me ask you a question. 
I don't know if you've ever been into a car accident before. I've been in a few. Um, let's assume you and your family, you're heading over to a restaurant, right? After church, right now, whatever. Let's say for those, if you got something going on later. Let's assume that you're going off to a restaurant and you get into an accident. God forbid, but let's just say. You get into an accident and uh, it's a pretty bad one. All right, it's a pretty bad one. Some one person in your car is, is pretty hurt, you know, and the car looks like it's gonna catch on fire any second now. Now, who do we call in instances like that? Who do we call? Not Ghostbusters, I knew somebody was gonna say that. And I was like, who do we call? Huh? <laughs> right? Yeah, call Gary, right? You know, 411 pain, right? No, before, before that we call 911, right? We call 911, and what, why do we call 911? What do we call policemen and firefighters and um, ambulance paramedics, what do we call them? Yeah, emergency first responders, right? That we call them for emergencies and aren't they called first responders? Why are they called first responders? Because, well, first of all, you want them hopefully to show up first because you need them, right? And it's usually the people that you call first. So imagine you get into this accident. So, you know, what are you gonna, who are you gonna call first? You're gonna call your lawyer first? First, you know, like, oh, listen, I'm gonna sue him. I'm gonna sue you, right? Like, are you gonna call the lawyer first? No. You're not going to call the lawyer first. Are you going to call your boss to say, hey, listen, I was on my way to work, bro. But listen, I'm hurt. My, this guy's over here. We've got a broken arm. You know, I'm just kind of just giving you a heads up. You know, are you going to call your boss? Are you going to call? So, are you going to call the, the restaurant that you were going to and say, listen, I need to Uber Eats because I got a situation now. I'm starving. I need my food delivered to me where I am currently because of this. Are you going to call all these people first? And then, oh, by the way, let me call the cops real quick. Right? Are you going to, no, we don't do that. But can I, can I just present this to you guys? That's what we do when we don't pray first. That's what we do when you get a situation and there's a trauma or there's a this, there's a that. And, and you don't go to God first. You're doing all that other things, you know, and, and it's, and God is there patiently waiting, patiently there. He ain't losing. Oh, really? Okay. I see. Oh, whenever you're ready, you know, God is not there sarcastically and none of those things because that's what we do. We wouldn't do that if we got into an accident. We wouldn't call all those other people first. We would call our first responders first because we need them. Guys, that's, that is why we need to develop this habit of learning to prioritize prayer and not just do something when, all right, I'm going to pray in the morning, maybe right before bed, you know, give me God bless this food, this, uh, you know, turn this uh, fast food and to be a blessing to my body. Stop. That's cheating. Do you think God does that? You know, have you ever done one of those things? That's a really sarcastic prayer. God bless this fried chicken that I'm going to do. I pray that it may not give me cholesterol, but may it give me abs instead and may it burn fat in Jesus' name. That's a weird one. When you go to somebody's house and you go, Lord, I pray that you bless this food. It's like, dude, you don't trust my cooking? Like, what the heck when you do that? And so it's, it's, a, it's a weird prayer. Now, I'm not saying don't pray that. And it's like, now some of y'all are going to be like triggered. But listen, I'm just saying, praying, not just those simple prayers, but real communication towards God. That's what this church had. That's what this church did. And then we see a response, right? We see what God did. Um, by the way, you, uh, no, I'm going to save that for later. Guys, here's the thing. They are reaching out to God, but they're not the only ones reaching out. God reached out to them. Do you guys know that that is one of the most, it's a theme in the Old Testament that is used where God delivered his people with an outstretched arm. Anybody ever, ever read Old Testament? Does that sound familiar? Some of y'all might. Over and over again, about 17 times in the Old Testament, and God delivered them with an outstretched arm. What does that mean? 
it, it means this, like what, what prayer looks like, guys, is this. And we've all seen the movies. We've all seen images like this when somebody is in a car and they're like, you know, they get tossed from the car or they're on a building and they're like about to fall off the building or they're like falling off the slope of a mountain, right? And have you ever seen people like that, that they're, they're trying to reach out and grab onto anything and whatever. And then right as they go over the edge, out of nowhere, right, there comes the... There comes that arm out of nowhere and scoops them up and grabs them. Y'all seen the movies like that, right? It's classic. It's a classic move. And so that is what prayer looks like, guys. It's us in our inability and us in our shortcomings just trying to reach out to God. But God delivers us with an outstretched arm. He's not, he's not sitting there waiting for us to grab a hold of him. No, he's already extended his arm first. Guys, scripture says that God, the reason why we can love is because God loved us first. The reason why we can be faithful is because God is faithful. The reason why we can be comforted is because God comforts us. And the reason why we can reach out and grab a hold of God is because God first reached out to us. And the ultimate reaching out to humanity is the cross. It's Jesus saying, I love you he reached out and he delivered us on the cross with what? Two outstretched arms. That's how God delivered us with an outstretched arm. And so guys, listen, when we pray, we reach out to God for help. But when God reaches out to us, he reaches out to help. And that's the biggest difference. And Peter knows this. He experienced this one time, right? We're just talking about the Peter that was in prison. Some of y'all might know the story. Jesus is walking on water one time. It's a crazy miracle. I'd love to go deeper on that, but I don't have the time. And so he's walking on water and Peter says, hey, if that's you, Jesus, can I go with you? Yeah, man, come on, let's go. And so he gets out and he starts walking on water. And the story goes that as he's, everything is going great, but then there's a massive storm. And when Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and looks at the, the, the clouds and the skies and the wind and the rain and the waves, he begins to have, be fearful. And what happens? He starts to sink. And as he's sinking, what does he do? He doesn't say to his boys, he's closer to his boys than Jesus is. He doesn't say, Bo, guys, give me, help me. He's not calling out to his boys. Who does he call out to? He calls out to Jesus. His first response was not to his friends who were closer, but to Jesus who was further away, logically you would think. And so here he goes and he says, Jesus, and he calls out to him. And right as he's about to go in, what do we see? With an outstretched arm, there's Jesus. Boom, gotcha. Just like in the movies. And he picks him up on two feet and walks him all the way back. Guys, see, that is the image of prayer. I don't know if when you think of prayer, what do you imagine? I want you to imagine you and you reaching out to the, the, the hand of God that has already reached out to you first. And you grab a hold of that God so that his wisdom, now you're relying on your, his wisdom, not yours. You're relying on his strength, not yours. You're relying on him, not yourself. That's what prayer does. It is that interlocking holding of his hand in that way. And so when we do that, guys, listen, I wanna challenge you and I want you to look at this because I'm gonna challenge you this week. All right, to develop, and I'm talking about, you know, the church really quick here. I want you to develop some spiritual muscle memory this week when it comes to prayer. Again, if you're going to respond in that way, it's because you've what? You've made it a habit. You've made it a habit. And so I want you to be able to practice stretching that spiritual muscle memory in prayer because stretching is beneficial. 
Now, does anybody, I don't know if anybody like to do like, you know, things like, not, not like yoga, but does anybody stretch? All right. You ever think about that? Sometimes I know some people that do it naturally. Maybe for some of you, it's a little, you know, we all got our little things that we do, right? But we like to stretch and we move. And so here's the thing. Guys, you know, do you guys know how beneficial stretching is? And you don't even have to be an athlete to stretch. All right. But do you know that stretching is beneficial? There's so many things to it. If you have a, anybody work from an office, if you have a very sedentary lifestyle, like you're just sitting in an office all the time, you know that you have to get up and actually stretch and move and stuff. It's good for you. And even if you have a physically demanding job, I know some of us do. We're either on our feet or constantly picking up and moving and throwing and working with our hands. Do you guys know that stretching is important as well? It has so many benefits. Look, stretching actually keeps your muscles healthy, keeps the blood flow going. Circulation is great which that has a ton of benefits in and of itself. And so the more you stretch, the less your muscles get tightened up, meaning you're going to feel better, even the older. By the way, the older that you get, you need to stretch more. Trust me. I was like, I know I'm right when I've clicked like 10 or 20 things have clicked. I was like, okay, I'm good now. I was like, I, 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 now I know. I feel so much better. But guys, look, it, it helps to reduce injury. It helps... Um, it helps with better flexibility. It reduces stress. So if some of y'all stressed out of your mind, just stretch. If you're stretched, if you're stressed, you can stretch. It actually physically helps you with those things. Now I know stretching can be uncomfortable, right? It can be uncomfortable to stretch, but here's the thing. Just because it's uncomfortable, okay, doesn't mean anything. It's uncomfortable, yet it's beneficial. Guys, sometimes praying, how many of y'all feel praying sometimes as, as an uncomfortable exercise, right? It's uncomfortable but it's beneficial. And guys, in the same way that you pray and you stretch your spiritual muscles like that, you know what you do? You're helping, again, you're developing that kind of muscle memory that helps. And again, you're going to reduce that kind of stress and all those things when you are reaching out and stretching out to God. And so last week we talked about if you want to grow in your faith, you need to stick to scripture and encourage your neighbor. Well, guys, you know, prayer is just an expression of both. You know what, that prayer in and of itself, when you, when you pray, it's actually one of the best things to do when you pray is to do it with God's word. And one of the best things you can do to encourage your neighbor is to pray for your neighbor. This is just another expression of the same thing. It is super beneficial. It helps you with spiritual maturity, sanctification, growing in likeness of Christ, overcoming the enemy. All of these things comes with a healthy lifestyle of prayer. I guarantee, I would love to pause and sometimes and say, all right, if you are experiencing something, even maybe you're not growing in your faith as much, I would pause to ask, how often do you pray? What does your prayer life look like? It always starts. It's interesting. It's so simple. It's so simple that I think that's why we dismiss it so much. Why so many Christians dismiss it. It's so simple. Let me do something else. But it's actually the most significant thing that you can do. So I'm going to challenge you guys to do something with me, all right? Here's what I want you to do for the whole week. I, look. 90% of you are probably going to blow me off right now. You'll be like, that's dumb. All right. Uh, you know, would you like some better, cooler illustration for me to, you know, make this a case? No, I'm going to keep it simple. But the 10% of y'all that do it, watch the difference. All right. You put the application up, Mike. And so check this out. I want you to stretch for a minute every hour on the hour for this week. All right. This is what I do. I have an alarm clock with every hour kind of set up to kind of buzz. Every hour on the hour all the way through. Y'all see it. So I, I can, I'm practicing what I preach. And so here's the idea. I want to challenge you for this week. Every hour on the hour, set an alarm clock. And when it hits, buzzes and does whatever, no matter where you are, I want you to, well, depending on, okay, obviously if you're, don't be legalistic about this, okay? You know, but depending on where you are, if you can, take a minute, stretch physically and pray for 60 seconds. 
and make that a habit. Pray every, pray for a minute, every, you know, every hour on the hour for a whole week. Develop that spiritual muscle memory of not just praying when things are going bad and not just praying on certain occasions, but developing a muscle memory of your mind is on God. Pray in that way. So stretch physically. If you got something stiff, you know, just kind of roll around. Don't make it. Don't, you know, get on, you know, downward dog in the middle of the living room or something like that. You're at Publix. You know, you're out here like, hold on, I got to stretch. You know, it's like, don't be weird. Okay. So don't be legalistic like that. Be, you know, wherever you can. But I want to challenge you. Stretch physically because there's a benefit to that. But as you're stretching, pray. All right. And guys, uh, we're going to do that right now. We're not going to stretch the physical part unless you feel a little comfortable and then go ahead and do that. But um, Mike, you ready? We're going to I'm going to put a countdown for 60 seconds and I want you to pray. Yes, sir. That's a good question. And um, I'm actually going to give you a little bit right now. But the biggest, most important thing that I can help with anybody is Jesus gave us a model of how to pray. And that, that model, which I'm sure you're familiar with, some of us are familiar with as well, the Lord's Prayer, right? The most important thing is understanding the process. And so I like to teach a very basic way of uh, pray with joy, J-O-Y. And so J meaning Jesus, O meaning others, and then you. And so it's very easy for us, and I've done this too, you want to avoid being selfish with your prayers. I think there was a pastor that I heard one say, if God answered all of your prayers over the last week, who other than you would be happy? Because it's very easy for us to pray I got it, what I need and what I need and what I, me, 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 God help me, me, me. And so when, when I pray, I try to keep that model, which is what Jesus showed us. So when I pray, I want to make sure I'm praising God first, that I'm putting my focus on him. I'm not just running up to God. I'm like, God, I need $20, you know, kind of like a little kid for, for like that. I run up to him and say, let me just enjoy him for a minute. You know, let me just enjoy God. And then I try to pray for other people. And then if, and then if there's anything else for my sake, then I would pray. I would pray for that as well. And so that helps me to make sure that I don't become selfish and self-centered like that, because we want to make sure it's all about him. It's all about him. So here's what I want. I'm, I'm, thank you for asking that question, because I guarantee you somebody will be all right, we're going to pray now. And I'm like, what do I do? So thank you. Uh, so I'm gonna, I want you guys to do that right now. What, and it doesn't matter what it is. Pick one thing to pray about for 60 seconds. If not, maybe go to something else. But I just want you to take a minute, think about God, respond to him, pray about whatever for these 60 seconds. All right.
if it was hard to pray for 60 seconds, then maybe I'm not praying as often. And I'm not doing that to shame anyone. I'm here to encourage you to be able to see, like, listen, when we stretch these muscle memories, regular muscle, um, spiritual muscles, it's beneficial. And I want to challenge you in that sense. And, and I want to encourage you. You know what, what God did not do just now? In the, if you came to God right now with whatever prayer and it was sincere and honest, you know what God didn't do? He didn't judge you compared to, you know what, his was better than his and hers and he's, oh my God, I didn't even bother over there. I was like, I wasn't even listening. No, okay, he didn't do that. God is not there like, like a parent when he, he just wants us as his children to talk to him. You see that? To engage in conversation in that relationship with him. And so guys, I know so many times when you want to pray, you're trying to impress God. No, can you just be honest with God. You know that's all he wants? It's just honesty. And you can grow to learn on how to pray. You can grow in those cases. And I'll just give you three little three little things to encourage you when you pray. Present. Whatever is on your heart, present it to him. Don't, don't overthink it. I mean, there's a lot of times that, listen, God, you know, God, should I pray about? Yes. Okay. If you've ever wondering, should I pray about? Yes. Unless God has already spoken. Should I pray about forgiving that person? Uh, no, you don't got to pray about it. Just do it because God already gave you an answer. Y'all follow me on that? If God has not given an answer specifically in scripture, yes, pray about all of it. Present it to him. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, present it to God honestly. The next thing that I'm going to tell you to do is persist persist in it some of us guys we want to pray and we we think all right i do it once and god i don't got to pray about it again but no persist in the prayer did you not see how much peter was knocking and he persisted in the knocking and how rhoda was persistent in her encouraging and do you not see how the church was persistent in prayer guys persistence matters it's so important for us to do that to grow into that thing not just do it once and here but no persist and for me to challenge you to, to pray every hour on the hour is me encouraging you to persist in prayer to make it a habit and last one here's the big one here's the big one present it to God be persistent but don't presume guys here's the big one don't presume when you pray be careful to presume what God wants to do. Maybe you may be praying for something, but everything you pray for, which is what I do as well, I try to pray with an open hand. Because what if I'm praying for this, but what God wants to do is something bigger and something better. Yet I'm only wanting him to do this. I want him to do this, but he needs me to do something else. And so don't presume, guys. Do not presume when it comes to your prayers. You know what's interesting is this. James, remember, James died. Peter didn't. Did James die because James didn't have people praying for him? No, he did. And so we got to be cautious because you know what? God may answer your prayers in a way that you may not understand, but this is the part of God's sovereignty and will. He is good and you trust him on the timing. Do you know uh, what else? Um, the people, remember how, how shocked the people were about, no, Peter's not outside. Peter's not outside, no. Was it because they lacked faith? Were they praying, God, please set Peter free and deliver him and save him? Peter's outside, bro, now nah, you nuts. He ain't out there. Were these people, did they have a lack of faith? No. Here's the thing. They weren't praying for Peter's deliverance. Guys, I want you to know that they weren't praying for his deliverance. They knew Peter's arrested. Peter's in jail. This is my assumption, but I think we can make this assumption based on scripture. Every time we see the church persecuted in the book of Acts and they're praying, you know what they're praying for? Boldness. God, give us boldness to be able to live for you in this time. Give us boldness. I would not be shocked if what the church was praying for is, God, Peter is arrested. They're about to kill him. 
Give him boldness to be your faithful witness until the very end, like James was. I guarantee you, that's why when they were, that's why Peter was shocked. I didn't think Peter thought, he probably thought this is it for me. That's why he thought it was a dream. This isn't happening. No, I'm supposed to die. He was assuming that. That's why he went to sleep. I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm trusting in my God. And the church wasn't expecting it. Guys, be careful to presume things. Because what if God wants to not meet that expectation like we said earlier, but he wants to exceed it and do something else that maybe you didn't see it. It's an angle that you didn't notice. But guys, be cautious. Do not presume, but instead trust in God. Because what if, and I know this could be a big one. Some of you guys are probably upset with God. And if you could be honest, you'd probably tell me, yeah, I don't pray anymore because me and God aren't on speaking terms. Last time I prayed, he didn't come through. Last time I prayed, and I know, I know it could be hard. But you guys, let me tell you this. Sometimes God, his deliverance may be, may, and his answer to prayer may look a little different. But what if his delay, or what if in the process of how he's answering, what if he's not just trying to do something for you, but there's a lot of times God is trying to do something to you in the process of prayer. That's why I'm challenging you guys to persist, 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 persist in that prayer. Because you know what? Again, why should I want you to develop this habit, guys? Because we're supposed to live outstretched lives. I want you to learn to stretch out to God every hour on the hour because we're supposed to live outstretched with an arm to our brothers and sisters like the church did. They're praying for them. The Antioch church, they were going great and the Jerusalem church was struggling. What was the Antioch church doing? Giving offering and extending an, an arm to their hurting brothers and sisters. Guys, as believers in Christ, we're supposed to live outstretched arms with our brothers and sisters in the faith that we're praying for them, encouraging them, doing whatever we can for them. And we have an outstretched arm to even non-believers, those who don't understand, those who reject and don't under, don't like what we have to say, but we still open with that. We live with that outstretched arm in love towards them as well. And that, and we're also supposed to live with that outstretched arm to God. And I'll give you this last one here. You know what God says in Isaiah 59.1? He says, your sin has separated me from you. But then he asks this question, this rhetorical question, is my arm too short to save? Listen to that. He asks the question, my sin has, your sin, sorry, has separated me from you. You can't reach me. But then he asks that question, is my arm too short to save? The answer is no, it's not. My arm, God's arm is never too short to save. And so guys, with that, you, regardless of the kind of sinner that you are or become, I want you to know that there is no sinner that literally is beyond God's saving. There is no sinner beyond God's saving. You may not reach out to him. You may recognize that your shortcomings and shortfalls, but listen, God, his arm is not too short to save you. His arm is not too short to save you. You reach out to the very God that's already reaching out to you. And the same goes for us as Christians now. In the same way that there is no sinner beyond saving, there is no saint beyond deliverance. Peter was in jail. He was under a circumstance, not by his fault. You know, Peter was in jail because he didn't sin. That wasn't his result there. But there's a lot of times there's Christians who we get ourselves in a stronghold because of our sin, because of our lack of faith, because of this, and and then we find ourselves in a pit. But guys, in the same thing, if God's arm was not too short to save you, God's arm is not too short to deliver you from that. 
is not. No matter if it's a pit of depression or fear or anxiety or loneliness, it doesn't matter. If God can snatch your soul from the pit of hell, then he can save you from the pit of all of those that I just mentioned as well. Now that deliverance might look unique and it might be different, but you saw that Peter's obedience led to his deliverance. Every time the angel said something, he obeyed simple instructions and look at that. Guys, sometimes our deliverance and God may draw us out of it through a process. Guys, I found myself in some pits as a Christian, as a pastor, and my deliverance was slow because I really felt God was, as he was delivering me out of it, he was showing me, look, you saw that road sign that you, you, you missed that last time. If you would have recognized it, you wouldn't have gotten this far. And then he brought me slowly out of it to recognize, to teach me, how did I get myself in that situation to begin with? So that I can have that discernment and recognize, oh, nope, not there. I've been there before. I know what that dead end leads to. You see what that is? And so some of you, maybe you're waiting for God to pray and it's like, oh no, he's answering your prayer. He's answering it a little slower than you'd want, but he's answering it. He has not abandoned you. Guys, I'm telling you here, I want you to reach out to this God every minute, every hour on the hour to a God that has not failed you for not even one minute. He has not taken one minute pause, one minute break. We sang a minute ago, right? In a song, not for a minute has I been forsaken. Guys, that's my challenge to you. That's the God that we have who is reaching out to us. So I challenge you now, no matter who you are, reach out and grab a hold of his outstretched arm today and tomorrow and the next and the next. Again, I wonder how many of you are going to actually take that simple and practical advice and actually apply it to your life. Listen, it will, it will change things because it will change you because you need to learn you need to learn to be able to stretch out to God more often. And that's our biggest problem, is that we are too complacent. We are too easily bored or distracted. But I wanna challenge you, let God always be your first move, your first response. Let it not be that act of last resort. No, that's, again, when we constantly focus on being a kind of a revolutionary Christian, the, uh, the kind of person that God is going to use to be able to make a difference, forget in the world, in somebody's world, in somebody's life. You know, you think small, you, you handle the micro, God will handle the macro. But in order to do that, you got to constantly be reaching out to him and learning to live this outstretched life is learning to live dependent on God. And that's what prayer exposes. Prayer reminds us to be dependent on God in and for all things. So I pray that you may think of that and do that and never, never, never forget that the God you are stretching out to reach, he already beat you to the punch and he's already waiting for you with that outstretched arm.